gonna miss you. I'm gonna miss you so much. Hot summer nights. They won't last forever. And that, of course, was a bit of the chorus from a Hot Summer Nights Won't Last Forever by the Aquabats. Fittingly, perhaps mirroring the song are Hot Summer Nights, Steph. I'm still so heartbroken that we've come to the end of our journey here. Just so much emotion. It was a lot to bear. This has been a whole lot to do, but um, I'm glad we've done it. But it's very bittersweet to be at the end. And uh, yeah, it's episode 99. Big number. Uh, the second biggest number you're going to see probably this month. Um, well, like, not each episode gets bigger, but I mean, like, <laughs> it, important <laughs> uh, number. Of Comic Rider 3. These episodes are growers, not showers. Calm down, everybody. These episodes were in the pool. (laughs) But, uh, no, uh, we have this is part seven of our look at Comic Rider Hibiki. It's been a whole season of the show, and just wow, uh, what a what a task. Um, I don't know. Are you glad we picked this show, Steph? Because we had like a couple options at the start. I'm glad that we picked it. Um, I feel like I wasn't quite expecting the direction that it took. Um, So, you know, I've got some opinions on that, but I am glad that I stuck it out and watched the whole thing through because it did turn out to have a lot of characters that I did fall in love with. Yeah, this show has some real high highs. Um, It's really just important things that i think for like myself as a person who like likes media and myself as like a like common writer fan of like those are like two separate parts of myself like they both felt fulfilled then also disappointed too at certain times yeah definitely understand that uh but uh it's been a, one week since you looked at me steph i have to ask is there anything going on important or <laughs> We are um, actually finally putting our finishing touches on the Arcade Militia website and are going to start releasing episodes soon. So be on the lookout for that. Otherwise, um, my life is work and common writer at this point. So that is a life that a lot of our fans and like me, like probably know pretty well of my big plan for this weekend is I'm going to play Deathloop. I've heard no spoilers about it. I've heard nothing. I've been wanting to play it forever. It's just okay. I'm gonna play Deathloop when it comes out. The first weekend day that I have, and that's my Friday for me. I'm gonna gonna play it for like eight hours. Well, definitely let me know how it is because that's one of the ones that I've been going back and forth about ever since the uh, ads for it started getting released. So I'm uh, excited to hear your opinion. Have you played other like immersive sims like Prey or Dishonored or? Oh yeah, a couple of. Um, different ones here and there. They're not exactly my favorite type of game, but I do find ones that I really get into every once in a while. Oh yeah, um, they're one of my favorite kinds of games, honestly. So I'm very excited. I've tried to like. This seems like a very easy thing to hear, like somebody talk about stuff they like doing, and I'm very much like, oh, like don't tell me what you like doing. I want to do it. Like I want to like figure it out. You know, <laughs> coming blind definitely understand that might be it for like the fall for me for games unless like i get lucky and like have a way to play halo infinite but 
that's kind of more of a pipe dream at this point because even if i like found an xbox i'm not sure if i'd want to buy one (laughs) i understand especially right now when you know you could almost buy a house for what some of the scalpers are charging for this yeah i've been looking at the like halo version of it and that one's going for even higher and like less available it's just not good (laughs) yeah not good for me i can't even imagine yeah um charging games like for you coming out or no yeah i'm actually pretty stoked about the uh new um saints row um Mm. i know a lot of people have been bagging on it but it actually looks super interesting to me and in the exact kind of world that i like to play in with a sandbox game so i'm really looking forward to that one it would almost be a throwback if it was just like a well-made saints row game that was like a little more grounded you know yeah exactly um i felt that way about a ghost of tsushima which i only played it like in the past year because that was a game where i was like oh they just made like an old school like assassin's creed game without some of the bloat that comes into like like the more modern games Mm -hmm. it's fun yeah i think we can't put it off much longer steph I hate it. We should get into this show. Okay. We're looking at the last six episodes of Kamen Rider Hibiki. Um, We left last time on episode 42, Ferocious Demons, which is why uh, we start. Um, And just to go through, um, we're going to cover the first three episodes. Episode uh, 43 through 45. And then we're going to talk about our fall show. And then we're gonna talk about those last three shows or uh last three episodes so with that um let's look at episode 43 an unchangeable body yeesh todoroki yeah (laughs) (laughs) todoroki is rushed to surgery and tells zenki not to tell he is hurt um since he took on more to let him train the boys um kariah um has trouble understanding the point of personal improvements and uh tries to cheat at a like running drill by using a taxi but gets caught he had overheard Kipke saying he was going to cut one of his apprentices eventually um todoroki uh tells Zenki he is unable to become an ani anymore and uh falls out of bed unable to hold himself up while saying he's fine so maybe they're um zanki told rookie that my bad um the parents find their house being destroyed by a like makamo and they can't steal it so they have to kill it um they also say that the ani alone won't be enough to stop destruction kiraya tries to swim without help and hippiki tells asamu to focus on his own training as Kariah drowns. Um, Hibi calls this a positive experience uh, since you like learned something. Zenki and Hitro talk about what there is now in life for Todoroki, including Zenki being like pretty pissed off like at the like, older man. Um, Moshi has some panel theater that we see for the first time where she's reading the Magic Girl to a bunch of kids. As Akira and like Asumu like look on, Hanaka tries to talk to a Katonic Todoroki uh, before he asks Zenki to kill him. 
Zinke says, you should feel my heart punching you. And that um, there's still life for Doroki and that he can train Ani. Um, Raya is able to climb after falling out of cliffside, like training. Um, but when he reaches the top, tries to to like show off his other trophies and, and put down Asumu before quitting and saying that Kibuki hates him. Um, Kibuki and Zanki fight a swarm as Kibuki meets uh, um, a like Todoroki who's trying to stand. Zanki transforms to help after they are swarmed by crabs. Um, so, th- so these three are all very intertwined. So I'm going to get through all three of these. It's like there's too much together, I think. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, which is why the episode 44, Hidden Prohibition. Zanki fills in for the fight, but soon starts to suffer side effects of transforming again. Kariya tells Asumu about the elimination he planned. Todoroki tries to rehab before talking with Kibuki about how being an Ani means being victorious over yourself. Asumu talks to Moji and Akira. Pay for some guys try to bully Karaya for leaving their school when they found out uh, it wasn't athletic. Um, Karaya tries to fight them and has to be uh, like sprung from jail by like, Hibiki. Um, Todoroki tells they're not going to leave his rehab due to feeling like a burden. Zanki comes to help instead, complete with a like slow-mo like, run to catch him as he's falling. Then we see like Zanki spitting up blood in the bathroom while saying he can't die. Ibuki gives a, a, a um, ban to Asumu that lets him control the fire animals. A like ceiling ban. Zanki performs a, a strange ritual and tattoos himself in a campfire. Karaya steals the band from Asumu who quickly realizes. The Ani fights but Zanki collapses and is mauled. Uh... Asumu finds one of the boys who is bullying Karaya burned up in a like way that is similar to how the band works. Um, Ibuki finds Zanki's bare ass and then realizes that he's dead. Zanki shows up in Todoroki's room. Uh, and then there's episode 45, Zanki's glorious death. Uh, we see some more panel theater from Moshi and also that Akira is a like better girlfriend to her than like Asuma is a boyfriend. Hibuki is troubled uh, when Todoroki says he saw Zanki last night. Kuraya tries to to, to so <laughs> Kuraya tries to make Asuma feel bad for um, accusing him of stealing the band. Um, Hibuki sees Zanki simple and freaks. Asumu sees that Kuraya has the band and they fight um, and then talk. Ibuki and Hibiki uh, talk about the spirit restoration technique and how it will fade Zenki's soul to like eternal darkness. Hibiki uh, tries to make Todoroki feel bad for not being better enough that Zenki can pass on. We see one leaf clinging to a like tree in what might be a metaphor as Todoroki realizes uh, that Zanki is dead. Ooh, okay. Fuck. I almost lost my charge right there. <laughs> okay. Uh, shit. Okay. 
uh, it is revealed that Karai was actually trying to save those two boys from a like Makuma that was hunting them and prove himself to Hibiki. Todoroki tries to get Zenki to let him go as a Makuma attacks and Zenki goes to fight it. Um, with Zenki saying that Todoroki has to stop him himself. Uh, the boys are saved by Hibiki and Ibuki on the Toku fight steps. Um, Todoroki powers through his wounded body and stands on his own. And the master head student fight, then play together. Raya and Hibiki reconcile as Zenki dies, and Todoroki has a like spiritual moment with the wind. Oh, that's a whole lot, but just very dense episodes. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, so what were your thoughts on this whole? Let's even start with episode like forty three. As far as like, what do you think, Steph? Well, like with this medical situation of Todoroki, I guess. I didn't honestly know how much more they could break my heart since I do have such a big soft spot for him. But just the fact that it not only was a chance to really start to mature his character, but kind of the way that the people around him reacted, you got to see really great insights into kind of how much he meant to everybody within the group. So it was a dense show, but they really packed a lot of story into each of these episodes. Yeah. Um, and like I just I wasn't expecting them to just do a three episode medical drama about like will you ever walk again right. in the middle of the show. Right. And to kind of show him in a very realistic way having to go through all those emotions of trying to, you know, figure out being in a new body and how he's gonna be able to cope with it, it was actually really well done on that front also. Yeah. Um and like I liked I think Zanke's focus here made sense as opposed to in previous parts of the show where like last time we're talking about how Zanke was like really present in a lot of the plot line for like Shuki and like Akira in a way that we kind of didn't like. I I liked it here and I think his sacrifice was interesting. Also like a lot of stuff just kind of happens here Mm -hmm. where it's like oh I did not know that you could do this Adi. This is a new power set. Well, not only that, but I think one of the neat things about Zanki and why his character has always been so much fun is because he does play like this really like crispy kind of like hard ass character that you never quite know what he's feeling or what he's thinking about, except for when it comes to Taroki. So having to deal with this whole plot line of him being in the hospital and it showing just like how deeply he cares for that relationship, you know, willing to literally sacrifice his soul for it it really gives a great insight without being like too emotional or too like soap opera esque into just how deep that, that friendship and that, that care for each other goes. Yeah. Um, something I didn't like was how they changed Sankey's issue to having a leg that was wounded in a way where he couldn't stand on it to you have, you're going to die if you fight, but you can, be cool disease you know yeah that was kind of one of the things that i questioned too like if it if it was something that was just going to weaken him more each time he changed why would his body even let him change in the first place like it kind of felt like there was kind of some inconsistency there that could have been dealt with a little bit better 
And like, I like a good, like, um, it's a trope in Subtoku, like, uh, in like Power Rangers Lightspeed Rescue, for example, um, that show gives somebody like a snake tattoo that like every time they transform, it like gets higher and higher on their back. And when it reaches their neck, it will kill them. Oh, cool. Like, that's perfect. But that's fucking cool. As yeah. Hell. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, here it felt like an undercut what the character had been about. And like, it felt like a double undercut to me when they just had like Todoroki power through his like life changing injuries. And like, it's like, um, like that thing in movies where like you need an inhaler until you believe in yourself. Right. No, you still need an inhaler, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Yeah. I didn't like that either because it almost in the way that it was supposed to, uh, highlight kind of his strength and overcoming the things that he'd been struggling with. It also kind of, like painted Zanky in a little bit more negative of a light because it, it's almost like, well, if he could do it and he was your apprentice and it was like, uh, it, it just, it kind of felt like they were bouncing the rules of becoming an Oni around a little bit more than I would care for. Yeah. And like, there were certain stuff where I was like, okay, like you have the gonna die, but still cool disease now. And there was like some other like Oni stuff where I was like, okay, now there's a special band that lets you make these like magic stuff. And there's even like a point where like um, Hibiki and like a book you're talking, they're like, yeah, um, Shuki was really skilled in magic. So that's probably why she like taught Zanki this forbidden technique. I was like, motherfucker, like you were like truck drivers that like could drum good like <laughs> 30 episodes ago, you know? Yeah. And I think that part annoyed me even more because I think I said last time, like, I really wanted to see Shuki get a little bit more of a storyline because she had such an interesting story just from, like, what everybody was whispering to each other. So that was almost like a double annoyance. Like, okay, but you could have seriously pointed that out, like, two or three episodes ago when she was still among us. Like, there's probably some secret knowledge somewhere. I don't know. It just, it was one of those little annoying things for me. Hey, yeah, she's this, like hidden ancient wizard and also the only female Ani and she's like around for two episodes and like the best magic she knows she doesn't even do right yeah uh, there was a lot there <laughs> though there is like part of me that's like I like the idea of like talking about a character who's like we've seen past and be like yeah they're like a really cool wizard and like did all this stuff like that's fun to my like writer brain kind of thing like it's like that like star wars like thing where it's like oh this character was really cool yeah Uh, they like got jobbed out but they're pretty cool yeah and i think that shows like this where it is really good about kind of highlighting people's strengths and weaknesses it's easy to do that with characters that are meant to be kind of like more throwaway characters it's easy to put a lot of that well this would have been the super oni you know on someone and just be like well no actually this is the reason they kind of sucked. So, yeah, I get it. Were there other plot lines or character beats that, like, stuck out to you, though, for, like, th- this whole, like, mini-arc here? For this mini-arc? Um, I really felt like um, there could have been a little bit more kind of... I don't know what's the way to say this. Like, gentleness between Todoroki and Hanaka, just because... 
you know, we yeah. had just gotten through like an episode where he was at his cutest imagining her in a wedding gown. And then all of a sudden, like his body and his ego get hurt and he's like pushing her away. And it just I don't know. It really felt a lot more contrived than it should have been. Yeah, um, I had like a note later on um, in relation to uh, Kasumi and like Hibiki, how their relationship basically left the show as soon as like the romance between her and like Ibuki became like a focus and like it just really does suck because it feels like all the female characters like stop like I don't know if the show ever passes the Bechtel test like in the sense of like they're still like talking about like dudes and things dudes are doing but like they went from like talking about it like conversationally because it's like the shop they work at and like the field they're in to Mm -hmm. like the focus and like their motivation and like like Hinaka's acting her ass off with the trauma and the drama of all of this mm-hmm. but also she has been reduced to like she's not fun anymore she's not talking to other people she is Todoroki's romantic interest right and I felt like they kind of it wasn't just her like almost yeah, all, all of the female the show, characters really. they flatten their personalities and you know Akira was one of the people that I had very much looked forward to kind of seeing develop even after she said she didn't want any part of being an oni i was like okay great well then that means that they're probably gonna have her character do something really interesting by the end of the series spoiler alert didn't happen and i don't know it was just it was kind of sad because it felt like every time they started to like gain some ground with a strong female character they ended up shoving them back with these last you know five or six episodes that we just watched it was it was a little bit disheartening yeah like mochi basically is just still is kind of static didn't get to change too much i don't feel like right akira and midori uh went from being like interesting to like less so and giving less kasumi basically fell off the like show mm-hmm. as did like asamu's mom who just became his mom like there's some point where like i also like noticed too like man she's not like really like hoardy anymore she's like a very chaste mother now that like it's a drama right and it, that was disappointing because to me the most fun thing about her was the fact that she only acted like she was a couple of years older than Asumu for most of the series and you know she was never a bad mother he was never neglected like anytime he needed to talk she was right there but she still had this kind of like fun aspect to her also but the further into the series you get the less that's a thing it's more like just another generic mom character like she stops being anything but someone for him to talk to whereas like before she was trying to have fun she was trying to like maybe go on some dates she was trying Mm -hmm. to maybe like be a part of what was going on and just less and less that goes on like it just became oh like i'm not sure if we saw her in the last once the production of the show changed, we saw her one time leave her kitchen. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. And I mean, it's still the funniest thing to me in the series was when she saw Obuki getting off of his motorcycle when you very first get introduced to him and she just like flutters across the screen. I was just like, hell yeah, that's hilarious. And then it just gets progressively more watered down. She should have been like, 
feeling up like Todoroki's arms and like being like, yeah, like eat this shit. Yeah, this is great. Exactly. <laughs> oh, goodness. And yeah, just I really. One thing that I do like, though, is that one of her best moments in the show, I think, happens after the production change in episode like 30 or 31 when she picks up like Asamu and like takes him to dinner after like he failed to meet his dad and like had to like Hula like to come to his like own like terms on it you know mm-hmm. um one thing I did like uh when Karaya used that taxi to cheat the like race I realized he pays for taxis all the time without us talking to the driver or even seeing the the driver and like and like and like that is like a parallel to like how Hasumu's mom is present and like a taxi driver and like a person mm-hmm. is a fun like character like distinction point for them. Yeah, and I but that makes a lot of sense. Like considering his character's personality too, like he very much plays off as someone who wouldn't want anything to do with someone who is in the service industry. So it yeah, I feel like it it very much follows in line, um, which is something that this show does really well. No, it's like a very small thing that like most people probably would notice probably get you like oh like yeah like just like he's always using taxis right uh um and he never has any moments his mom which like it's just uh yeah i feel like karaya gets done pretty well here because he gets a focus and it's consistent but he's also a character who's only been here since the production change so like He's not, there's nothing that we feel is like being diluted about him, I think, mm-hmm. which probably helps him feel good, you know? Yeah, but that was also on my part kind of an annoyance too, because throughout the time that he's on the show, his character develops in such small increments that it's almost like, I don't know, I just, I kind of expected more of kind of like a payoff for his arc and it never really came. Did you think he was taking revenge on those boys? I did, yeah. Me too, yeah. <laughs> Which I liked, honestly. Like, I kind of wish they'd gone through with that. Yeah, because honestly, it, it felt like that was very much the direction they were leading his character into. So it, it would have made sense. Nobody would have been surprised by it, I think. Especially because, like, they did the whole thing with Akira and Shuki and, like, hatred, like, feeding you and having to, like, know how to use it and come to your own terms and i think like if they wanted to like pay off like the movie or pay off that like the parents talked to shuki about joining them like if he became like a messed up like corrupted like half ani thing like that would be fun oh yeah for sure um i didn't know how to feel about the panel like theater stuff i was very confused but it comes up in the in the last episodes in a way that kind of like makes sense. Yeah. That was very much a, a a long game. You, you had to really commit to that to finally see what, where it was going because it it seemed like such an odd, you know, off the wall storyline. what do you think about the end of the storyline with Nanki and Todoroki though? I, 
was surprised by how touched I was by it, to be honest, because there were so many like parts of that once, especially after Todoroki came to terms with the truth and what was really going on with Sankey, there were a lot of parts of it that they played off kind of cheesy or kind of like really expected. But then the way that, you know, they go through that one final battle together and get to play their guitars together that one last time. Like to me, that honestly felt like the best send off for Zanke's character you could have asked for in that entire series. It it was just surprisingly cool the way they wrapped that up. Yeah. I really liked that. Like just to see them playing together and fighting together and that, made up i think like for like the weirdness of like how they got there i think like it was still like that affecting was mm-hmm. great um and like i liked how like you also saw them like playing after the battle was over which is great yeah and it wasn't just like a couple of notes like they usually do when they're kind of like doing their little celebration thing like they actually like jammed out together for a few minutes so that was really neat and i liked how um like i joked in the summary but like the whole like one leaf clinging to the tree and then like he looks up and he's gone like as that like leaf leaves and like it's like his changer and his guitar the only things left but then like the wind picks up and he sees many leaves it's like okay you totally uh made this work Mm -hmm. like and like it totally could not have with all of the weirdness of the show but it like worked like very well right there. Oh, definitely. And another thing is just the character or the uh, actor that plays Todoroki, just watching his face go through all of those emotions just in real time. Like you can clearly see everything that his character is going through processing that that's the last time he'll ever get to do that with like his mentor, his best friend. And that really just comes through on that actor's face in a way that was very fun to watch. Yeah, and he just gets perhaps, like, the most complete arc of, like, any of the Ani, and I'm glad that it does get to reach that end and have him, like, just get all that, because he's such a hard character to do, because he totally doesn't want things in the same way, and most of the time, like, when we see, like, a character like this, like, they're, like, a pure gag character, or they're the main character, and they're special in a way where they circumvent some of these struggles, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that's why his character was fun because he had for most of the series kind of played like this, this wild card kind of, you know, just doing whatever feels right to him at the time character. And to see him like kind of have to really go through this grown up arc of what it means to, you know, walk the path that he's walked in life, it was very, very um, fully developed for a show like this in a way I wouldn't have expected. One thing that I couldn't help but notice is that, um, when you go on the wiki for a, the come writer show, like the way the character section is formatted is like writers first. So like, if you are a character who showed up in one episode as a writer, you will be billed before a character like Ostrova. Wow. Which is like a wild thing to think of, like just like in the formatting and like, that's like a, minor clerical thing but that's is also just like how these shows can operate sometimes and um how it becomes like i focus on who is a writer who is the one acting and i like that we got to see this like very 
gentle character. Mm-hmm. And I we'll get into it in the next half, but I think uh, they definitely have another character who they maybe don't do as well for this kind of thing. <laughs> but no. Um, any last thoughts or want to talk about our finals for the book club? Let's get ready for those finals. I'm excited. Okay. We've narrowed it down. We got two shows from 22 to 2. Comrade Kiva and Hakuna Sensei Akiba Ranger. One is two years after Kipiki and Ryder, and a lot has changed. Uh, it is a separate show, but there are some like alumni. It is a horror themed show. Um, and the other is Akiba Ranger, which is a comedy for adults parody. And there's lots of stuff where, like, <laughs> the main villainous, for example, is like a uh, adult film star and she's basically like dressed like it. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) They're very different shows. Clearly. (laughs) Very different vibes. So I guess I have to ask, uh, what do you think would be the deciding factor for you then? Like, what do you, what is going to make this choice for us like what do you want from this fall season i guess see that's the hard part i like the idea of doing the funny one just because i always love when we get to watch anything like that but we are also coming up on halloween in a couple of months so something horror themed might be a lot of fun also so that's why i'm having a hard time both sound good for different reasons all right yeah that is true um i've seen both these shows um I would have a lot of fun doing something horror themed. I would also like the parody thing. Um, we're covering both Sentai and probably Common Rider over there on the uh, other shows. So there's no preference either way. Like we're kind of as free as we want. So how do we pick? <laughs> it's hard. Oh, this is a tough one. Do we want to see an adult show about turning pain into power or do we want to see a show that is all about just the vibes? Uh, I will say that um, one thing that Kiva has going for it is that like six of the cast members are singers and they sing their own theme songs in the show. Oh, nice their characters (laughs) and it's very it's as melodramatic and like much as you could want i feel like i'm sold on kiva yeah i'd say um i'm leaning kiva too we will get to reprise uh the actor who played zanki is a fairly big character in that show nice i will say this to two people there's a character that everybody loves, me included, from Kiva. I don't know if they're going to hold up to 2021. <laughs> but no. Um, we're going to look at Kamara Kiva for our fall show. Woohoo! So what does that mean? That means violins, stained glass, bats, blood, monsters. A lot of fun. Um... Uh, 
it's going to be a minute since um, next time you are going to see us. But we'll be for episode 100, which will be a like, special episode. And the same is true for episode 101. That'll give me plenty of time to go out and get a mask so I can start broadcasting in a mask. That's for true. So we are going to be in about three to four weeks. We are starting the show, which will be fun. And that'll be our thing because we have to do episode 100. We have to do uh, episode 101. We have to do the start episode for uh, the like other series. So, yeah, it's going to be a minute, guys. Damn. I just realized that. How to complete that OnlyFans project. There's just a lot happening right now. What would be a good OnlyFans for Comrade Keep? For Comrade Hibiki, I guess it would just be like they get naked a lot and they got like some drums. Yeah, and the monsters, instead of wearing like full monster costumes, they would be like just uh, bikini monster costumes. Just showing off all the skin, but then like some scales on all the uh, bits that would be covered by those black sensor bars anyway. I think that there would be people that would make more money by having the monsters there, just as they are, but a little bit like small window for the butt or like boobs or the um, what have you. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that makes sense, too. Oh, you know, not sure what they're called. all kinds on the Internet. Maybe just some paint and like there you go. Good to go. Yeah. With that, we are going to be looking at Comrade Kiva coming soon for our fall series. It'll be a lot of fun, just in time for spooky season. But before we get there, we need to finish Comrade Hibiki. And that means there are three more episodes. So I'm going to take a drink of water and I'm going to summarize these. Sweet. And uh, enjoy the Foley work right here for the water. <laughs> oh. Ugh. I actually cannot tell if water makes any sound. I believe that water is silent, and water's never made a sound in history. That's my belief. Or is that just what it wants you to think? Ah, uh, silent water. A deadly threat. <laughs> Do you know where your children are? But no. Uh, so, for this one, they're less of an arc, so I'm going to go through episode by episode. Um, so, episode 46 mastering the Ani way the parents find a stone they have been looking for everyone has a like new year's wish with asmu being indecisive and hippikis being left unheard Hinaka is worried that todoroki hasn't told her what's up as he fights makama um the boys and hip talk with asmu wearing an outfit reminiscent of hippiki um what if he wants them to understand is death and what it means to live. The parents guide Todoroki to uh, the stone. Kiraya tries to drop out to focus on being like an Ani full-time while acting like he's some kind of martyr. Um, he then clowns on like Asamu for having a life and two girlfriends. The sister of the two combat children has existential thoughts while her brother mocks her. Hippie tells Kuraya to go back to school and that there's experience to be had in living. Um, Hasumi finds out that the girl from the uh, panel Peter class, Naomi, is sick and is um, later sent home 
early from training, um, worrying about it. Uh, the stone is revealed to be for an anti-Oroshi Taiko ceremony that Ibuki is selected to do as the head family's Ani. Kanaka is sad that Todoroki is so serious, not playing with her. Uh, the children are told to protect the Ani during the ceremony, and the boy is visibly upset. Asumu talks to his mom about his feelings, and she's pretty awesome about it. Um, Kariya is less non-athletic now. Hibuki tries to train Taiko with Hibuki, but is not focused. Uh, the children then attack the Ani and decide they aren't going to protect them. Hibuki uh, embraces uh, Sumi and says he does not want to die as the city is attacked by various Makamo. So yeah, a lot gets set up here in this pen penultimate episode. What did you feel on this kind of it's kind of the second to last episode, I guess. Right. There was there were so many storylines playing off of each other that I honestly wasn't sure that they were going to be able to resolve all of them by the end of the series. Because it just felt like there was so much in the air and there were so many like pretty big, at least the way the story had played itself out so far, consequences for each of these decisions. So it was interesting but it was very anxiety inducing yeah as we go on we'll get into it more but i definitely didn't feel like they did a great job with Ibuki. like i felt like a lot of his traits in the series were told to us mm -hmm. and counter to what had been established before the staffing change right and like it's hard because like maybe some of these are like if there's a page in a book that says Here's a Buki. He's very calm. He, he's also empty-headed, but also he's like from the head fam. Like maybe that was there, like under like his list of weaknesses. But it it just something's not clicking for him. Right here for me. Right. Probably because like Kanaka's gotten way more time than her sister, who like has dropped off like the show drastically and like their relationship has not been explored as much. Yeah. And honestly, there were a couple of characters where I wasn't really satisfied with how their storylines wrapped up. And, and their story is definitely one of those where I was just like, come on, you've kind of been building on this for a while. Like, and then it was just out the door. It felt like the last few episodes. Yeah. Um, one thing I, did like I think was I liked the panel theater and the girl that likes like Asumu and like is like she has like an issue this episode and I think like it like gets like talk about more next time but like I think I actually really like how the thing that's starting to that's like the first half of his arc that like leads into next episode is that like he's realizing that like there's value to something small and like I think We'll get to the end of the story in a bit, but I think I'm maybe feeling good at this point about where they're taking him. Mm -hmm. No, I have to agree. And that's always been the thing that it felt like the writers have been very consistent about with Osmo's character 
is that he has always had this very slow and steady path toward self-realization. He's always had these small moments that you don't really see the effect of until a couple episodes later. So I felt like the way that they took his path after the show, you're right. It was extremely well done. It wasn't anything that was overly predictable. It was just, it, it started slow and it kind of like burned to where you could see exactly what his future laid in. And I thought that was really neat. Yeah. There were a couple small things that aren't as important, I guess, but like I wanted to like touch on here. Um, one is that I think it, we're supposed to see it for episode 48, not for this episode, but it definitely feels like the filming schedule jumped because like here, everybody has longer hair and like, especially like Asamu looks wildly different, mm-hmm. like even just compared to last episode. Yeah. Um, they're fighting lots of like Makamo and like, it kind of feels like, oh, these were all things that were like specific conditions that you had to meet and having them just like be dispatched like and mass feels very cheap mm-hmm. um though like here there's like a small thing where like uh when somebody is fighting that uh crocodile snake one that could like block the sound it doesn't have the part that can block the sound on its body so that's kind of like a good like attention to detail right um the golden crab kind of feels like a cultural reference that I'm missing because, like, I feel like I've totally like seen a game where there's been like a like special lucky like crab. And like, oh yeah, that's like a <laughs> fun joke, like you know, uh, like a little four leaf clover thing. Right. Um, my two biggest gripes here are one, why Ibuki for this? Like, I kind of like it. It fits with the Shuki stuff before where it's like, oh, you're the family's like Ani, you have to. But they do have like who is apparently the best Taiko Ani in the world, who also got two super forms that are each stronger and better at drubbing here. That seems important. Um that like hit that Hibiki could do this. Um, you know? Yeah, and I actually ended up writing a note about that because I was so flabbergasted also. Like, you could very much see the differences in how Hibiki approaches every single battle and how Ibuki did. And it was one of those things where I was like, okay, but he doesn't even have as much experience as Hibiki does. So aside from just being a member of this family, he doesn't have a whole lot of, like, credits to his name. So it was very much a relief when Hibiki just went ahead and made the decision for him. Because, like, before this staff change, he's very competent. He gets less competent, I think, with the change. Maybe just, like, it's just because he, like, wants to live and is worried and, like, is, is, like, messing up is, like, more the arc. But it was, like, like, I get that you need to have your Ani do stuff and be the best and, like, be the one that makes, like, that sacrifice. But also, like, you got a dude who's, like, specifically, like, good at this you know yeah this is exactly what he does yeah um and one thing that also kind of irked me is that um we're told early in the series that there that in this region of japan there are 14 ani we don't see any of them when the end of the world's announced at their headquarters passing through Mm -hmm. they could like even be the like seven dudes we haven't met or like the nine dudes we haven't met just like 
passing through and like eating a dumpling and saying, all right, I'm off. Like they, they should all be here for this final fight or at least like show them doing stuff or like comment on it, you know? Right. Like it is like a big moment to be like, oh, like you'd think it would be like just I'm passing through. Okay, I'll go over here where there's like a big concern. Well, like you're having the final fight or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't even need to see them transform. Like they can just like be like, oh, we're helping over here, guys. Don't worry. I don't know. Um, but that leads us to episode uh. 47 of Commander Hibiki, uh, the talking back, which is the penultimate episode, but also the normal end to the series, kind of. Uh, but um, Todoroki has a mocap jacket on as Hibiki trains Kabuki and Taiko. Um, when Amakamo appears, uh, Todoroki has to make the save as Hibiki wordly looks at Hibuki who is scared to die. Uh the little girl Naomi is cool as hell and tells Asu not to pity her for being like chronically ill and that she still wants to see his theater. Um Hibuki makes his like apprentices watch him fight the Ani fight to Ani alone without transforming. Uh we see the love interests of Hinaka, Kasumi, and Midori at a like table sad as a as a Midori tries to cheer up the two sisters. Hibiki takes off his shirt and defeats the, the uh, two monsters. Um, Todoroki gets attacked by the kids or then like attacked by the parents and run before being confronted and running again. Um, Hasumu uh, tells Hibiki he wants to leave the Ani training and Hibiki is upset that this 15 year old boy does not know what he wants to do in life yet Kabuki tells Kasumi that the ceremony is tomorrow as the couples all then talk um, them two about love Todoroki um, and Hinaka about um, having time together once the world's not ending. Hibiki and Midori about teaching and living. Hibiki tells Midori that he's learned from Asamu, and it's not just that he wants to pr- protect people, but he wants to live life to the fullest. Karaya shows up at the panel theater and tries to start shit because he wanted a chance to beat Asamu in a real contest, and we see a very mad Asabu here. Um, then the three Ani, the only three in the world now, um, all go to end the end of the world. Um, Hippie punks them, though, and then goes by himself uh, to do the ceremony in the place of... Um, the two children have not been fed, and they turn to dust. As Hibiki starts the ceremony. Um, the final battle is intercut with the performance of the panel play by Asumu. Uh, we see Hibiki heating up to his different forms as the 
drumming gets um, more intense. The other riders, and then eventually Jiraiya show up to help too. And then we are left with a cliffhanger. What has happened? Find out next time. But yeah, so this is the second last episode, and it's odd. There's a lot to happen here, and I like a lot of it, but it's still odd, you know? It's a weird episode. Yeah, it it really was. It it had a lot going on. Yeah. What do you think about the whole... Let's start with our main character for the show, I guess, in like Asubu. Because he has a lot to do here with doing the panel theater and that little girl and like making his own choices in life. Like, it, what were your thoughts on this stuff? It was a lot. Um, but I thought it was really great the way that they finally put Osmo in a position where he had to make a definite decision. Even if that mm-hmm. meant kind of having to look at Hibiki and say, this isn't what I want for my life and kind of try to process through what that might mean for him. And that storyline played out really well. Yeah. Um, Naomi is cool as hell. She's just like, yeah, like I'm like terribly ill, but don't be weird about it. Right. Yeah. She's great. Um, and then like, I love like how like her mom is like, don't be rude about it. Like, don't be rude to these people that don't know how to process that. Like, you know, you're going to die someday. Like, <laughs> very good dynamic there. Um, I like the very basic stuff of like, oh, like, I forget what the like story is called, but like the like woodcutters like axe thing of like, oh, there was somebody, a like good woodcutter who like, lost his axe and like was offered a like silver one but like instead he asked for like um his old axe back and like it's like that like whole moral too is like okay that's a good narrative like parallel to what is being done by like Asamu where he's like oh yeah like I'm picking a mundane life that can do the same things that um this less mundane life could do, but it's honest. Right. And the guy like really liked that, honestly. Mm-hmm. We don't get the conclusion conclusion yet, but I do. Um, it does feel like this show is trying to get somewhere, but it, it really didn't effectively use some of its time. It felt like though, for like these character moments, like a lot of them hit in the end, but it's also like endings. You're going back to beginnings how mm-hmm. much of this is them? How much is that like inherit to the form you're going to resonate with stuff that was already there, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. It's there were a couple of things that I had to really sit and think about after the show because it just it felt like they were trying to put a bow tie on too many things at once and there were some things that definitely got lost in the storyline. Yeah. Um I there's so much, but also I'm not sure what's worth talking about like i what do you think about the whole makamo the parents and the children and the children that gained sentience and rebelled that whole plot line 
I really thought that that was an interesting plot line, um, but it was also another one that I kind of wish they had introduced sooner so it would have had a little bit more time to play out because I would have loved to see a little bit more of that like back and forth between the parents and children and kind of like dealing with the fact of their own existence and, you know, whether or not they wanted to listen. And it, I, I felt like there was a little bit more that could have been done with that than there was, but I did enjoy it. Yeah, that was a tough plot line because we went from there are these monsters that uh, that show up and they have specific parents with them, but they're always the same and no one knows why to, oh, there's these weird puppets that seem to be like controlling them or making them show up. That's weird mm-hmm. to, oh, we always knew about the puppets to there's another set of parents over the puppets yeah. that we already knew about. To we're going to make these special super versions that are going to replace the puppets, but have none of their abilities. They just seem to be stronger, I guess. I guess. (laughs) And we're going to make more experiments. And there's like another layer to this later, but does feel like the mystique gets lost hard with these like villains. Mm -hmm. Just once that like staff change happens. They stop being weird too. And it's like, oh, like here's this thing that we don't understand to like we understand them now. <laughs> to oh, they're just like a thing and don't worry about it. I don't know. Right. And I mean, part of the thing that was always fun about them before was uh, you never knew quite what to expect when they popped up on screen. And then these last, I don't know, 10 or so episodes, they just became much like a lot of the strong female leads, flatter and flatter versions of themselves till you get to where you are now and you're just like, I don't really care what happens to them. And they set up a ton of plotline that they never cash in with like, they're worried about Orochi. They can't stop it. It's not their thing. Suddenly they're not in charge of the Makimo. What's going on? Like, why do they want, like Orochi stopped? Why do they need to like protect the Ani and work with them? Like, it's never explained. Right. And the rest of the characters, we see the couples all talk. Um, Midori and Hibiki is a weird situation for me because I just feel like they kind of didn't have these sparks early on mm-hmm. and they never actually go anywhere with it or like advance it. They just like make her look at him different. Yeah. And I feel like this was another example of a really big missed opportunity because they have them in this room and it's just the two of them and they're having this nice soft conversation and playing like the 80s porn music over it and once again goes nowhere nothing happens it's just well this is another relationship that i guess kind of fizzled out like it doesn't really ever come to anything let's write our own sensual ending then okay okay big taiko drum like a grab her and like lift her up and they're taking their clothes off. Then you like press her against that Taiko drum as she takes off your shirt and then radioactive starts playing and you make love with the drum. There you go. I honestly can't think of a more romantic scene. I mean, that's perfect. Introduces her to his drumstick. Everybody's happy. It's wrapped it up. Nice, pretty bow. This is my drumstick. <laughs> I'm really surprised nobody like did any light innuendo with the instruments at all. I know it was right there. Like 
even like Kasumi, like, oh, like you like blow on it, and then like Kabuki being like, ooh, like his like ears move. I don't know. Like, it would have been do? perfect. I think Hinaka and Todoroki are the best couple of these because they just have had the most time and they just want to like hang out. Is their like big thing? Like, they want less, and we've seen them more. Yeah, I, I think they're the only ones that get like any kind of even partial resolution on what happens with their relationship. Yeah. What were your thoughts on Kasumi and like Ibuki? Like, do you have any or? It really felt like they were setting that up to be something. But then once again, it kind of devolved into another one of those, well, lost opportunity. It felt like situations with them. Yeah. Did you have any feelings on Hibiki's choice to be the one doing the ceremony or? I honestly, when it showed him kind of looking at Ibuki saying he didn't want to die, I kind of expected it from there. Um, So I wasn't that surprised by it. It just was very much a Hibiki thing to do. What's that? I liked that like final fight though. Yeah. Did you? Uh, Yeah, for sure. I thought it was really well done and it definitely kind of reinforce the fact that Hibiki should have been the one that did it all along it felt like I thought it was weird that Karaya showed up I was like this is like dangerous like don't be here but sure especially he's because he's proven time and again that he does not have an athletic bone in his body it was just bizarre that he showed up on the battlefield too bad that uh, Midori didn't have an athletic bone in her body <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah I like the fight. I do think that like Orochi, everything about it on paper sounds so cool and they just botched it kind of because like the whole like remember how excited we were about like oh yeah like people are getting injured because like there keeps being more and more monsters that seem to be catered to like stopping us and like it just kind of got less and less interesting. Yeah. As it got more dire which is weird yeah it really tapered off but i think that a a large part of that is just due to the fact that it started to really take on like a soap opera vibe and that makes it at least to me a lot harder to get into like the battle scenes because then you're almost kind of preoccupied with what's going to happen with these side storylines i didn't like how nobody responded to like the fact that the makumo entered the city like it was a big thing early on like we have to stop them before they find people before they enter civilization and we see like hordes of monsters so much that like they randomly find them while they're at like rivers that like it's like constantly happening there's just like they're an active menace the amount of like makumo that there are like the ani are just like living normal lives and going out on patrol and finding them because they can't fight them all it's wild that we don't see that remarked upon. Yeah, I thought so too. And just the fact that everything was right there in the middle of civilization and it's not even like mentioned in passing. It was just such a strange thing. Yeah. And like they went from having to track them to like knowing where they were and them all being in like a big group. They like can like get like taken out by one hit. I'm like armed typically and just, Yeah lots of lost tension we're like just having like smaller groups that are more interesting and like weird be fun but i don't know um that takes us though to the last episode episode 48 dreaming of tomorrow 
we skip to one year later um as the ani minus Ibuki are in the shop helping uh the two boys are not very good and they break some cups uh we see that Hasumu is doing very good in school and that he's wants to be a doctor um Akira wants to be in social welfare which I couldn't tell what that meant if that was a sub thing or if that was like what that meant there um Jiraiya eventually dropped out and uh they have not seen Hibiki for a while um Mochi's there just to kind of be there for the most part um Karaya and Hibiki seem happy in the field um same for the part-time hospital helper worker that is um that is Asumu. um the two meet again and it's awkward um and from the start of the show Asumu looks so much taller and less baby fat and older um his mom seems worried he's not doing what he wanted in life mm-hmm. um and the same is said by the other Ani and a I wrote a like a like sensuously haired Midori when they talk to Hibiki but uh, <laughs> uh, we see a the, like child that is hurt on a like cliffside that is saved by Asumu um, and then they're saved by Karaya um, Mochi in a outfit we'll come back to is talking with Kakira before a random like Makamo grabs her the parents seem to be fighting about like failures to control the clones since those ones that they made that got sentient um, and that's the reason that Mochi got kidnapped to be an experiment um, the boys fight a like Makamo Asuma helping a a like knocked out Karaya who then uh, transforms into like an Ani and fights the like Makamo they're saved by Todoroki and like a Buki. then a shark centipede uh, monster and the parents like attack them Hibiki uh, makes the save as Karaya um, shows that he is able to keep his clothes as, after he transforms and uh the boys go save Mochi. Um, and then we see that the father, who was having some pain spasms, was actually upset because he hadn't been fed. Then we see a Victorian, another level, truer set of parents show up and they feed those parents and seem to gesture towards them being their tools. Then Hippie is fighting this shark centipede monster with Asumu there. And they have a like another moment as he kills the monster, and then they talk about how Asumu is always his apprentice, no matter uh, what he does. Before Hippie says, "You are well trained, Asumu." Um, then he says, uh, "From now on, live the life you want at my side." Um, and they look out at the like sunset on the beach. Uh, as for the first time in, in like 15 episodes, uh, uh, the ending song Shonen Yo plays. So yeah, a lot here. 
Yes. It, that was a lot to pack into an episode of that length, for sure. What were your thoughts this episode and this ending, Steph? It was another one where, once again, I felt like they had some missed opportunities, but I did really like the way that they wrapped up the relationship with Hibiki and Osmo because it just felt kind of perfect for how they had both developed over the course of the series. Yeah. No, um, the biggest thing they had to not botch was that relationship. And I feel like in the last couple episodes, they were able to hit back on it in a way that felt very honest and true to the characters. Mm -hmm. And um, I knew that the hyper battle video was special because it's the only time where we see uh, where we see like how to move like transform. Right. And people were upset that he didn't. But honestly, having actually seen the show, like being spoiled that he never transformed. I actually like it that he doesn't mm -hmm. become like a like a writer and like he like is doing his own thing. Like I you don't need to be powerful to be important, to be good, to like be fulfilled. And I really like that he is like, I'm gonna be a doctor. And then he's like, actually, I'm not entirely sure. I want to do that, but still I'm me and I matter. And like a big problem I have like later on is like, man, not everybody has to be a writer to be important to the plotter to matter. Mm -hmm. And this show does that. Yeah. And I think that the great thing about it is that it doesn't feel shoehorned. Like Osmo really did develop a nice slow burning, like independent streak over the course of the last, I don't know, 10 or 12 episodes, you could like see that slow, subtle shift in him. So for it to have come out like at the end of the series that he truly chose his own way and now he gets to be able to know that he's doing it with Hibiki's approval is just it's perfect for his story. Yeah, and like, I guess there's also some like madness because both the boys were supposed to transform in one version of the ending, but they rewrote it and like used parts of that suit for like Uriah, but also just I like that he transformed. It's something so simple about seeing somebody who took a path that you didn't take. Mm -hmm. Seeing somebody's success, seeing something that yeah, like you were the you are in like a lot of ways the real apprentice of like Hibiki, but you left that path and you can still have that relationship and still have that importance without having to also have the dropout of school, the not see your two girlfriends anymore, the whatever. Right. That like Karai has, you know? And I kind of feel like part of that and part of Hibiki's acceptance of it was almost kind of a nod to the fact that that's the exact type of thing Hibiki would have done in you know a parallel universe it's what he does right like he the only relationship we see Hibiki have is with midori before he becomes a like ani and even then like that gets like subsumed into it and like they hit it early on like he's saying stuff like i wouldn't have made it like that's like oh if i didn't join this like order right <laughs> of like monster hunters i wouldn't have had a like, I wouldn't have, like, a place in, in, like, society, which is something they kind of 
stray away from, but it's important to be like, oh yeah, we're a bunch of people who like who like completely burn out our like bodies and career paths outside of training by like 35. Mm-hmm. That's an important thing to look at. Yeah. The other characters have stuff like we don't get a ton of Todoroki and like Ibuki and Sumi and like Tanaka. Uh, they seem fine. They seem like they're doing all right. Uh, they seem like they haven't gone out for a while or like they uh, like have like a lot of free time, which is good for them, I guess. Mm-hmm. Always good. I did think it was weird that they just like weirdly damseled Mochi who Kariya doesn't even really know. Yeah, I had an issue with that because it kind of felt like the sort of situation that was um, a really weird thing to like lazily do at the last second. Right. It it really felt like forced and especially with her character. I, I don't know. Just like nothing about that struck me as in line with the series at all. It's weird. Um, I definitely think they just did what was easy. <laughs> right. Which was doing that. Uh, just I, yeah. I wish they'd thought harder, but they needed to show what was going on with a lot of plot lines, and she'd done nothing, and she was like an easy fix. I guess if you don't have any time to set up, it's been like one year or whatever. Sure, fine. Yeah, it's just, it was a lot. <laughs> I did ha- happen to notice, though, that she had on the, one of the worst outfits we've seen in this show. Those pants, right? Those pants and, like, the three <laughs> pearl necklaces and, like, the white jacket and, like, the, um, like, purple shirt. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> she was, uh, she was feeling the vibe. Yeah, she was feeling it all right. I was like, okay, what, what's going on here? I don't know what you're doing, but it's not working for you. Yeah. I wish she hadn't been made like that um i got the vibes from her just the way she was talking to like akira and like to like asuma though was like oh like i wrote down uh she looks like that friend that like hangs out when they're making out (laughs) you know i didn't think about that before but i can genuinely see that yeah just what a odd friends (laughs) I still think they're all some kind of like polycule. It has personally. to be, honestly, at this point. That's the vibe they give, right? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Um, but yeah. Also, what do you think of the parent? What? So we get some weirdness here. We see the parents. We see the next level. What do you think of meeting the Victorian parents or the real parents or the real man and the woman or what they're called. <laughs> I, uh, I was wishing for more screen time for them too. Cause that felt like that would have been a very interesting story to play out a little bit more. Just out of nowhere. Like just have to end on a mystery, I guess. Oh yeah, of course. Just in case. Just in case. And I'm pretty sure it, it, this never gets picked up on. Like I there is and there isn't more to this like series, if that makes sense. Like there's like books that might be sequels or like I think this might only have like weird prequels 
slash AU stuff, honestly. But gotcha. Um, but that's the end of Camarada Hibiki. Um, how are you feeling, Steph? I mean, a couple real interesting notes to end it on, but can't say I'm disappointed. Definitely a fun series all around. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think that the second part I'd heard forever was bad, and I agree. But also, there are some good there. Like, it's worth it if you can make it through, especially like um, where we were having some issues. Mm-hmm. Definitely had some issues there. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it has its points where it's kind of rough to stick with, but it actually does have a pretty good payoff if you can. Yeah, I um think the like first like 24, 22 episodes, whatever our first three episodes were, mm-hmm. were kind of unimpeachable though. Like I was just like the whole time I was like, this is great. There's no issues I have with this. Um you know? Yeah. Like, it it really wasn't until you get like, you know, right about to our point now that you start to be like, what the hell is happening now? I didn't love like the end of the first production or like I like the like that last episode we did with those like last like trip episodes is rough. Oh yeah. This is less so, but yeah. Um fun series as far as like seeing the lineage of shows. The show after this is called Copyright or Kabuto. It's definitely a reaction maybe to this show not selling a lot of toys or like not being cool enough. Oh, wow. Uh, so the main character of the show, Tendo, is called a Tendo like Soji. His whole thing is that um, so like a bunch of worms showed up in a meteor. Oh, God. And it's like an alien invasion. They can they can like mimic and re- replace people thing. Uh, and there's like a special task force that like goes out and kills them in secret. So <laughs> Tendo Soji. Um, That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. He is this handsome boy that wears the most ridiculous fashion and is good at everything and always says stuff like he like reaches to the sun and then says, my grandmother said this wisdom. Oh, wow. And then he wins. <laughs> of course he wins. Um, like, and like, he's not just like that, but he's the most obnoxious prick. <laughs> like there's this point where like, he gets like captured in like a fairly early episode and he's asked something like oh um are you comrade or kabuto and like his response is like would you ask the sun if they're the sun wow <laughs> yeah um it's a very bonkers show uh probably would feel like a parody at this point but like it's kind of like a departure but also trying to be more like the shows before it uh the show before this is much more like a straight drama. <laughs> uh, less. There's no one character who like sticks out in that same way. You're like, oh, that motherfucker. But this, so the other writers in Kabuto is there's um, an earnest guy 
then there's um two goths then there's a hairdresser and like professional makeup artist then there's a knight oh my goodness yeah it's a odd series um it's got a lot happening yeah my partner was watching like an episode of the show girls and i was like not paying attention and then i was like why is Comrade Kabuto spanking that girl? She's like, what are you talking about? I was like, yeah, that's the big character of Comrade Kabuto. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, <laughs> Your poor childhood. Nothing is the same after Hibiki. <laughs> Long live Hibiki. Because um, like, at this point, it's like, oh, we have to make shows that people want to spend money on toys for, guys. Come on. Of course. Uh, but still. Oh. Um, there are two tributes to this show that do come up in later seasons, though. Um, at some point in the future for like a bonus episode, we'll look at those. Oh. I don't want to spoil them. Um, it's unclear the canonosity of some elements of them, but basically it's probably best just to treat them like they're not. <laughs> oh, all gotcha. Except for one might be, but we're not sure. <laughs> there's a lot of odd stuff happening yeah that's a lot of stuff to ponder but I have to ask Steph who are your top three characters of Kamen Rider Hibiki oh um if you want to go one at a time like back and forth we can yeah let's do that because I, I gotta think on this I think mine are all repeats okay um who is your first top three character of Kamen Rider Hibiki uh Zanky, just for his uh surprise uh magician twist that he pulled out at the last minute there. Ooh. I'm gonna say I like I like Asabu. Understandable. Who is your second pick? Second pick. Um I think the other one is going to have to be Hanaka, even though she fell flat. A couple of times with her kind of just being boy crazy thing. She still had a little bit of personality there, and I appreciated that. I don't want to scoop you, but I will say that my second option, my second favorite character, has to be Todoroki. Understandable, also. Who is your last of your top three characters? Mm, last of my top three has to be uh, Osmo, even though you already said him, just because I really liked how he got to end the story. For me, it has to be Akira. She still... I still liked her ending, honestly. I don't think it was done particularly well, but I didn't think it was necessarily off-base for the character. No, it wasn't a bad ending. It just wasn't as developed as she kind of deserved for it to be. Yeah, totally. Hey, I have to ask, what are... um? What were your favorite monster designs and your favorite um, designs for a writer, Steph? Um, yeah, this is a tricky one. Yeah, because I don't... Honestly, the monsters didn't really stand out to me this round. This, so this is a tough one. I mean, for like the whole series, though. Oh, the whole series? Uh, definitely the one that was the Ring of Fire. Okay. And was just chasing him around the city just because I thought that was such a cool concept and a way to kind of hide the fact that there were monsters going through the city. They just weren't like, you know, really obvious. Mm. Um, 
and favorite costume is Hibiki's uh, second hero, or his, uh, where he has the two like high level forms. The one where all the um, the disc monsters. Form? Oh no! Put it come his onto his form. armor. So arm typically. That's the one. Yeah, I like how they do that little detail, even of the small one that goes up on his helmet. They were early, but I really liked the whole the Otoroshi family, like that big monster, those two parents. Mm-hmm. I have to like narrow it and say that like parent design because we get less parents. I guess they were too creepy or whatever, but that's probably my pick there. Um, for rider suit, Zanki. Understandable, yeah. His was badass. Todoroki, it's hard. I think I might have to edge out Todoroki for Zanki, honestly. <laughs> great design. And this is more for uh, these like last two episodes, but like uh, you can also like call out people from the whole show. The best fit, Steph. The best fit? Yeah. Uh, you know mine. What is yours? Remind me. Mine has to be the last episode mochi outfit with the weird pants and the like multiple <laughs> pearl necklaces. Just uh, the wild. Just the drip is incredible. That is very true. I'm going to have to say anytime Hibiki went outside and it was chilly to me i really love his pastel colored puff jackets and his uh aviator sunglasses yeah he just he he always has the look going on especially when it's chilly outside would you recommend people watch comrade hippie i would but i would probably do the same thing with anyone else that was watching it that you did with me and then right before that episode be like boop by the way, you're about to take a uh, roller coaster spin due to the production team. Just be prepared. Yeah. Same here. What was there like a favorite time of the show? Favorite episode? Like favorite arc for you? Like where it felt the best, I guess. Um, I think probably the um, episodes right around the time where um Todoroki was trying to um mm-hmm. seriously uh impress Hanaka it felt like as these bigger storylines were starting to build up that was probably one of the most fun parts of the series right around that time period I really liked when he was just like throwing his dis animals on the floor and like fighting lots of monsters and playing guitar that was like the best for me yeah, I think my favorite all-around moment was uh, Todoroki and his little um, disc robot playing and uh, dancing after that one battle. That's always stuck out in my mind. I'm trying to prolong it, but there's not much more to say. I guess we should just say where we can find ourselves when we're not talking about Comrade Hibiki, which I guess is going to be a lot of the time now. Yeah, unfortunately. Where can we find you, Steph? But you're not talking about a uh, common writer. <sighs> I guess if you have to find me when I'm not talking about common writer, uh, you can find me on Twitter at hat underscore sis. Um, soon our website will be up. That'll be www.arcademilitia.com. And we're working on getting some episodes released, released soon of our podcast under the same name. Awesome. 
you could find uh, the podcast at comradesme.com. Um, comrade with me um, on Twitter and Instagram. Um, at comradesme.com, there are the episodes and our uh, articles. Uh, there's also, if you go to comradesme.com slash episodes, there is the uh, direct link to some different websites and services for each episode. And there is a comradesme.com slash merch where our uh, merch goes to the Trevor Project, uh, those proceeds. And I forgot if I said, but you can find me at James Forge. Uh, and also, if you send in questions to uh, podcast at comradesme.com, they will be answered. And please leave five-star reviews on our podcast. Kind of should have been telling people longer term because i know that most of you have not uh so please just <laughs> it really helps us uh find more people if even maybe like uh, a percentage of you <laughs> i forget numbers but like 10 percent oh um, like we'd have way more five-star reviews so it is important to us but steph i guess uh what do we got to tell them what we learn out of this whole thing <laughs> um sometimes producers can hit the dismount on some things and sometimes they can't hit it on most of the show so that was what i learned yeah sometimes um i guess we learned not to beat a dead horse i guess but sometimes um the truest things are too cold to last for too long under the sun and i think that if you're somebody who really enjoys something that is different and strange do your best to support that because it is often an adverse environment for that thing to succeed for something that is specific to work for people and to get the support that it needs so when you find that please support that um because this was definitely a show where it tried being different and uh had like a lot of issues so just Try and provide that support when you find something like even if it's not your favorite thing that is being raw in the way this show tried to be at times. Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, keep your beat, keep your beat. <laughs> yeah, Vicky.